Hello and welcome to Love Signals. My name is Michaela McDonald, and I will be your host as we continue on this journey of exploring all the ways that love is sending signals to us and through us. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are, episode 23. So today's episode, I'm going to dive right into a love letter, which feels more like a love letter assessment from... October 13th, 2020. Now this is about four months into the Love Letter Project. And I think it's so cool to read this and to see how my understanding of love was starting to expand. And I was able to articulate that in this, so I'll read it to you now. Love and love letters. My concept of both of these is expanding. Now I see love letters everywhere I look. All of life feels like a love letter, like a celebration, an acknowledgement of what is, and an honoring of the preciousness of life. Wow, I love life. I love my heart and mind and body. I love everything that has brought me here. Love, Michaela. And to give some context to this one, you know, I had started using this journal that I got years and years before, like a decade before, and I was using it for some other creative projects. And I was just so touched thinking about the past and thinking about all the things that had brought me to that moment and all the ways that I, I think I was struck by feeling how loved I could feel in that moment. And how I could feel love from the past and realize how loved I was in the past when I may not have even realized it. This definition of, or not a definition, this experience of feeling that love is all around me, I think it was starting to expand out even further. And I could see how love has always been all around me. And the only tweak is, is realizing that I just sometimes I'm not aware of it. And that's something that I think about, even in terms of cycles and rhythms and seasons. I think the ebb and flow of remembering deep truths like this and then forgetting them is actually really okay. And it's healthy and it's normal And beyond just making it like, okay, I actually think there's something truly valuable about it because every time that I slip away from this feeling that love is really here in my heart and all around me, and I experience the discomfort of that or the kind of lacklusterness of that, then when I come back to it, when I do remember it, when I guide myself back, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to guide myself back to that feeling pretty quickly because I journal, because I make these podcasts, you know, really these are all these like little breadcrumbs I've left for myself out in the woods of life. (laughs) And so I'm led back to remembering that feeling, remembering that truth. And every time that I remember it, I feel like I appreciate it even more. And it's like it sinks in even deeper. There's this idea in therapy and also in chemistry it's actually the phrase is borrowed from chemistry 
titration. And it's this idea of, um, in chemistry, if you're combining two compounds, sometimes if you pour one, you know, full, full blast into the other, it will make it all explode or bubble over or whatever. And instead, what you want to do is you want to titrate the mixture. So you add a few drops at a time and then stir, and then you add a few more drops and then stir. And so it's this like, you know, you do a little, you let it integrate, you do a little more, you let it integrate. And this idea of titration is actually something I'm hearing and what I'm describing right now of that remembering and forgetting. It's like, maybe, maybe part of that, the health of that rhythm is that there's some wisdom to our minds and hearts and even our nervous systems when it comes to integrating the deep truth of how loved we are, it might be unsettling or like hard to fully digest if we opened up to the full blast of all the love. (laughs) And so maybe why we visit it a little and then kind of forget and then visit it a little more and then kind of forget is a way to titrate and to let it sink in and really be integrated thoroughly and well. I think titration applies to a lot of things. I think about even like body work and the way that um, if you do, you know, too much too fast, too soon, that can cause like kind of a trauma response in the tissues. And so you want to, you know, ease in. You want to do a little and then a little more and then a little more and let the breath, you know, breath is a natural way that we titrate those pauses, those breaths that we take. It's a way to kind of take a break. Another example of titration that's more um, in the therapy land would be when you're processing or like reprocessing a stressful or traumatic experience. One of the things that the therapist will help somebody do is that, or, and I've done this as a coach with people, it's like you go in, you touch it, you touch the pain, you feel it, you feel the stress of it. Then you come back out and you're like, okay, So maybe it's you remember that event for a little bit. You tell a little bit about it. You feel it. Then you come back. What does the chair feel like beneath you? Let's grab a tissue. Let's, what does that feel like on your face as you blow your nose because you've been crying? And so there's ways that we naturally titrate. Like for me, it's always because I'm such a snotty crier. Blowing my nose is such a great little break (laughs) from the intensity of whatever. And, um, But then there's ways that we can consciously titrate by bringing our attention back into the present moment. Or if the present moment doesn't feel great, we can bring our attention to something that feels a little easier, a little lighter, maybe just neutral even. And so I think that's another great little tool to have in your toolbox of like, and, and, and this is a great self-inquiry too. Like some people can tend to, overwhelm themselves or um, in somatics we'd call this like flood themselves they flood themselves with information with an experience with you know awareness of things whereas other people are they'll kind of be stopped up almost like there's a dam like they don't they don't want the information and many of us will kind of alternate between the two we'll either flood ourselves and overwhelm ourselves or we'll kind of be damned damned up and and in denial Um, and so I think it's so cool to have something to shoot for, to have some kind of aim. And I do think that 
titration and this idea of like letting it be gentle and integrated as much as possible each step of the way is such a beautiful thing to strive for. So rather than overwhelming yourself with an experience or feelings or thoughts or all the things you need to do, what if you just, you know, touched in on it and then came back to, I'm here now, all is well. I can feel my breath in my body, my heart beating, the floor or chair beneath me, you know, and then, okay, and then check in again, okay, whatever that thing is. Whether, honestly, I'm expanding this out in this moment in time to include just when you're thinking about your day or what you've got going on because I know I can flood myself with the feeling of overwhelm of so much to do and am I going to have enough energy for it? Am I going to have enough time for it? So something I, I realize I've actually been playing with quite a bit lately is rather than just flooding myself with that overwhelm, with all those ideas, with all those, you know, to-dos, I'll think about it a little and then I'll come back to just remembering that all is well. And I'll focus on my breath and and even there's been moments where I've been able to, rather than just come back to the present moment, I've been able to also connect to that feeling of love, that feeling of well-being, that I'm right where I need to be. I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing and it's all going to work out. And in a way that ties into one of my previous episodes where I talked about this concept of be the vessel. Because I think there's some moments there where I'm I'm kind of giving it over to God, so to speak. Um, or, you know, to put it in other language, it's like I'm I'm letting life and the universe support me and act through me rather than thinking that I'm the one who has to do it all and I'm the one who has to figure it all out and control it all. I'm letting myself be more supported and guided and and helped. And that's really wonderful too. There's always this way, every time I talk for even a few seconds about Be the Vessel, that I start to get this sense of excitement um, and and wonderment that if I, if it's not just me out there doing things, then there's this sense of mystery and the unknown and it gets kind of sparkly of like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? How, how is this going to unfold? I don't know. And I can't, I can't wait to see how fun that I get to receive all of that unfolding rather than being the sole creator. I get to also receive the creation as it blossoms forth in whatever way it does. So yeah. There's another piece I'd like to read to you. And this comes from this large book that I've been using to um, just spend time with the creative. In a way, it's been kind of my love relationship with the creative. And I've done written work in here. I've done some art in here. And it's been so nice. And for a while, I actually committed to just spending some time with it every night more to do art because I was really wanting to connect with my visual art side. But this was before that. This was when I was just thinking about love and love letters. And this was around the same time as that love letter I just read you. This is from October of 2020. My thesis 
is this. Love is all around us, always. And we can feel it and notice it in an infinite number of ways. To feel love is to feel and celebrate life as it is. And this was kind of me setting an intention here for the podcast, which I knew I eventually wanted to do. Here we are. Um, I say, I will share love letters in forms that are obvious and traditional and in ways that are unconventional and full of curiosity. (laughs) And honestly, I feel like I've done that just because so many of the love letters in that year-long project were both traditional and more um, unconventional. I'll read the last piece here. This is an invitation to notice love more and to start seeing how love is all around. And I feel like, gosh, that is such a great synthesis of what I keep coming back to. Love is all around and this podcast and this project and just this whole world, this whole landscape for me is about helping myself, helping you to see all the love that is around you. And to go back to, you know, thinking about kind of the origins of that project, I really think there's something profound about the way that it started. I started by connecting in a way with the love that I already was familiar with, but I was, you know, the love that I knew I wanted, the love that I craved, the love that I imagined, oh, how nice would it be to receive that, as well as the love that I knew I was good at giving others. You know, I was good at being loving to my friends and family. Um, and I was decent at being loving towards myself, but there was a bit of a disconnect. And so there's something profound about closing that loop of like, wow, I can give myself the love that I'm sending out. I can be the one who receives that love. I can also be the one who says the words I most need to hear rather than waiting. And there's something about closing that loop. It's like I started in the center, in the core, and connected to the love that was already inside of me that was perfectly suited for me, that was it's so amazing. It's like I had the, the very thing I wanted most. And once I realized that, and once I started to actively connect those two parts, the need with, with the supply, <laughs> there was such a sense of wholeness. And it's like I filled up. I almost imagine my body like, um, like a container, uh, like a clear glass vase that fills up with beautiful colors and swirling like I don't know if any of you do watercolor, but one of my favorite things when I'm watercoloring is if I have a clear jar for my water where I'm cleaning my brush. And there are certain points when I'm cleaning my brush, especially if I've been using colors in a similar color palette, like like deep purples and pinks and reds. And then maybe I've used some metallic watercolors, which are some of my favorite things to use. And I'll be cleaning my brush and I'll swirl it around and I'll just see it's like this beautiful pink purple cloud that has gold sparkles and it's like swirling around in there so sometimes that's what I imagine when I talk about this sense of being filled up it's like I filled up 
my body till it was overflowing with this sparkling, colorful liquid of love. And so it's, it makes sense to me that by starting there, that sense of love, then as it overflowed, it started to expand out. And it's like, it's like I realized that love really was everywhere. It's like the whole landscape became painted with that color. It's like it woke up the love everywhere. <laughs> and um, it's a wonderful thing. And so to think about this evolution from self-love and really connecting those dots of the self-love I crave with the self-love I totally have and can provide because as I point out in many ways, we are good at loving, right? So many of us, we know how to love and maybe you don't feel like you are, but eh, I have a feeling you're good at loving. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you, you're good at loving and, and maybe you're even good at loving yourself, but maybe there's just like a little tiny gap in that circle of receiving the love that flows through you. And so I just, I, I love this idea of starting with the self and then watching it expand out. And, you know, I think for some people, pouring their love out into the world, being kind to others, being helpful, seeking out places where they're needed and can be of assistance, helps them to feel such a sense of goodness and, and peace and satisfaction and I, I think that's great. If that suits you, if that feels good. And I think that so often the people who do that, who have so much love to give and they're so warm and giving and caring and they're just all that energy is out, 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 out all the time. I think there can be a tendency for people like that to be a bit depleted when it comes to filling up their own cup. And especially, and this is where it gets tricky, right? Like there's ways that we can assume that things are reciprocal, that if I give you this, you'll give me something back, right? We can assume like, oh, it's almost like me in a very far off way requesting the very thing I'm giving you. But so few people realize that. So few people realize, oh, you're treating me how you want to be treated. You're you're doing this for me because that if I did that for you, you would feel loved. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but I do think this is a subtle dynamic going on in a lot of our relationships. And so, so it can get really tricky, right? If like, if we're basically only allowing ourselves to express our needs through giving other people that thing that we need, that's, that's a very long feedback loop, right? It's like, it's like, it might take a while. We may never get that thing that we need. And moreover, I think that sometimes what we need can get kind of lost in the woods and it can become almost like, oh, it's like I, I see it in visuals and I'm trying to put it into words. It's like I see how the need or that, that, longing, you know, to feel loved, to feel appreciated, whatever it is, to feel unconditionally loved in particular, 
It's like that need. And maybe it's also a need for very specific words like, you are okay. Everything's going to be okay. Or I appreciate you. I'm glad you're here. Whatever it might be. I see that need almost like going underground. Like you're walking in the woods and it's this ribbon of thread that's above the surface, right? It's kind of trailing behind you. But then it's like the soil starts to get muddier and the ribbon starts to get kind of caught in the mud. And then it starts to just basically exist underground. And you forget, you forget what it even was. You forget that it's even there. And the thing about when things become more subconscious is that they can still deeply influence our behavior, but we just don't realize it. And so we, our beautiful minds, our beautiful, logical, intricate minds can come up with all these reasons for, no, no, I want, I want that. I want to, I want to stay up late and neglect my body to get this report done because it's, it's important for my career. It's, and it's important for this and that and that and this. And I want to cancel those plans with that friend because of this. And like, because it's what's most important to me and it's what I need to do to get where I want to go. And that's what I care about. When what if, hypothetically, in this example, it's not actually about all that. Our brain can come up with great reasons. It's We make a choice and then our brain is like, I will come up with wonderful reasons why we did this. Very logical. No one will, no one will be able to uh, disagree. <laughs> and the deeper truth, the truth that actually kind of pushed us towards that decision in the first place is probably something more emotional, more more tender. And it might even be this kind of sublimated desire for approval, for a feeling of, of warmth and belonging and value, that, that you're worthy, that you're great, that, you know, you're, maybe it's your manager or your boss who you want to present this report to, that, like, they're going to be like, you're so amazing. I'm so grateful for you. You know, maybe it's like all that love that you're craving – and maybe it's something you've been craving since you were a kid because you didn't get quite as much as you wanted from your parents or you didn't feel like you were getting it from them, even if maybe it was there. And then you just carry that hunger with you, right? And it starts to influence all these behaviors. And so once again, I just think this is part of the magic of self-love letters and of saying the words we need to hear and of really taking responsibility for being a source of love in our own lives. Because if we can do that, oh, it's like it just it just washes away all that mud and muck and the ribbon runs clear and then you can see it and you can tie a little bow with it and you're like, mm, I've got you. I've got you right where I want you to be and I will take care of you. And I, you know, I, I hear this need and I can meet it. There's also just such an abundance when you're the source of it. I mean, I guess I can only speak from my own experience, but even if I felt like I needed so much love, so much reassurance, just like a day of it, I I genuinely think that I could do that for myself. If that meant, you know, writing for an hour in the morning of just just deeply doting on myself and then just, you know, taking a bath and just internally maybe saying some like loving little mantras and 
I think about, I, oh, bathing is such a beautiful experience because I think it's like we get basically get to like pet ourselves as we're, you know, soaping our bodies up. And, and then afterwards, if we use lotion, it's like we get to pet our whole body and love it. And that's our hands carry so much warmth and love in them. So I'm really rambling here, but I just, I feel like there's, there's so much to this self-love process. And I'm, as I dig more into writing this book that I'm working on and, and to these podcast episodes, it's like, it's all really registering at a deeper level of like, oh, there, there's something profound happening and I'm starting to be able to describe what that is. And that really excites me. You know, I'm fine with mystery and wonder, but I also like understanding what's at, what's at play. Especially when that helps empower me and others to replicate that, that healing, that, that nourishing. And so, so I'd like to conclude with, um, kind of going back to one of the early journal prompts from this podcast of saying what you most need to hear. And I'll share a little anecdote. One of the listeners of this podcast reached out to me and she had written her first self-love letter. And it almost makes me want to cry. She was so touched and it just made her realize, like, it's like, I think the sense I got from when, when I read her words about this, it was like, it was like the love really landed and she really felt like, whoa, I can love myself and I do love myself. And, and the relief of finally hearing the words that she craved, that she longed for, of giving herself that gift was so impactful for her. And so... I think it's so profound to just come back to this, this kind of core starting point of saying the words you need to hear. And I wanted to point out that a few things about the, the emotions that could come up when you do this, because ultimately, I think that the words you need to hear, when you say those words you need to hear, when you identify what they are, it should feel good when you hear them. Right? It shouldn't feel like, oh, that's sad and it makes me realize all these sad things that I regret. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be heavy in your body. It shouldn't be tight. That being said, as like a little caveat to that, there might be tenderness when you read those words. I know I, I mean, I cry a lot. I'm just, I, I have a very open <laughs> tear duct pathway of happy tears, sad tears, confused tears, random tears, frustrated tears. I do it all. Um, <laughs> maybe you resonate. I don't know. Um, and, you know, not that crying's the only the only way. Not crying is fine too. <laughs> but I know that I felt very tender and touched when I wrote many of the love letters during the year-long project. And so I think it's possible to feel like a tenderness and almost like an ache when we write these. And I don't think that's the same as this like heavy or, or tight feeling that I'm describing. And to further distinguish this, I think part of the tenderness or that kind of like ache that can come up is sometimes when we finally get what we want, 
or what we need or what we've been craving, what we've been hungry for. There can be this sense of tenderness of almost like realizing how long we've wanted that. And it can be uh, emotional to realize like, I've wanted to hear that for so long and now I'm hearing it. Whoa. Makes me think of when people in a romantic partnership or even in a friendship, when they're able to love each other and to like really be there for each other in ways that each person has really craved, there can be almost a tenderness of like, oh my gosh, you really love me, you know, or oh my gosh, you really are willing to be there for me and know all of me. And so I think that that kind of tenderness, that kind of like, oh, is this real? You know, is, am I, am I finally receiving oh, this thing that I want? I think there, there can be like an emotional release from that. But that's different than the words, you know, you need to hear being things that maybe make you feel like there's something wrong with where you're at or there's something wrong with what happened in the past. I don't think that love judges the past or the present. To me, love and acceptance are very tied to one another. So there's a sense of love and appreciation and seeing the profoundness of each of us. And that's coupled in my mind with a sense of like honoring like, hey, you might have been through hard things. You might be going through a hard thing now. And that doesn't mean that you don't deserve ease and relaxation and pleasantness in your life. And it's safe for you to open up to that, right? Like that's what I feel like love says. So even if you feel like you should be further along or things should be different in your life. I still think that the words that that love would speak to you and that I imagine you might want to hear would be deeply soothing, deeply reassuring. Abraham Hicks talks about this idea of seeking relief. And part of why they describe that in that way is because they're really aware of, um, this is a spiritual teacher, Abraham Hicks, you can look them up. Um, they're kind of alternative because it's like, it's this woman and her husband for the longest time, they would meditate together and the woman would kind of start to tune into this, this other energy called Abraham and her last name is Hicks. And so that's why it's Abraham Hicks. And she would, uh, channel kind of this information and her husband, Jerry, uh, would ask her questions about it. I think his name's Jerry. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> he passed away a few years ago. But um, so Abraham Hicks really would talk about this emotional scale. And they talk about how it was hard to jump from depressed to joyful. And that there's kind of some steps along the way. And so a lot of times, like if you're feeling really depressed, the thing that feels better, the thing that feels like relief could be anger or blame where you're like, you know what? Screw all those people. I don't even like them. What are they even doing here? You know, versus like, oh, I'm hopeless and I don't like anything. It's like, you know what? I'm mad that that person did that and that shouldn't have happened and that shouldn't have happened. That can feel like relief if where you started was like deep, you know, heaviness and depression. And so then moving up the scale, you can kind of keep going to like, then you might feel 
you know, anyway, other things kind of emerge. And I think it's cool that basically it's like anger, anger has, has a place. It has value in there and sadness does too. It's like they all kind of interact with each other and help, help guide you back to a feeling of ease. And so if you just seek relief and do that again and again and again and again, you'll ultimately come to like a very natural kind of resting place in a sense of well-being and ease and even joy. And so I want to encourage you all when you're exploring, you know, the what are the words you most need to hear. It's valuable to emphasize seeking relief. And and there should be a sense of relief or ah when you read those words. It might be tender, but there is this, like, and I, I feel like that's really the best word to use for this because even going back to the example I was using originally of like the tenderness we can feel when somebody tells us something we really wanted to hear and we've been like waiting, like, oh, I just need somebody to tell me I'm okay or that I did a good job even though I feel like I'd failed. That feeling, there is relief there, right? We might cry because we're like, oh, it's so great to hear that. And ah, I didn't realize how much I needed to hear that. But there's also relief versus this feeling of heaviness of like, oh, maybe that is true. Oh gosh. Wow. Uh, you know, like I can feel that in my heart. It's like this like tight, heavy, bleh. So seek relief with your words. And this is a realization that I had just while I was talking about all this. Part of the value of doing multiple love letters is that you can build. So maybe the initial relief and the initial ideas for what it is you most need to hear is just like, you know what? All those people are dumb and you're the best and whatever, you know, whatever. Like maybe that's where you need to start. But as you continue and you let that, you let each of those in, I imagine you could continue and there could be even more relief from other levels. So this is something to play with, to explore. But I really encourage you all to just just try on this idea. What is it you most need to hear? And you know what? That will change from day to day, month to month, year to year. And to just stay curious about, wow, what would be nice to hear right now? And to let yourself give yourself the gift of that. It doesn't always have to be written out. Maybe you're not super into journaling, right? Uh, One of the things that I've been playing with lately is, especially to go back to something I was mentioning earlier, when I start to kind of flood myself with to-dos and overwhelm, (laughs) I don't necessarily want to go whip out my journal and spend 10 minutes, you know, not that it always has to take that long, but instead of that, I will just put a hand on my heart or maybe one on my belly or just even give myself a little hug and just be like, it's really okay. It's all really okay. You're okay. It's all going to work out. You have enough time. You have enough energy. None of this is urgent or, you know, life-threatening. Like, all is really well. And you can relax and enjoy yourself right now. It's okay for you to enjoy yourself and to take it easy. So that's, those are the words I've been needing to hear lately. And I give myself those words or a snippet of those words every once in a while. 
and just, just in my head, you know, it's not always out loud. Or sometimes I'll even go, if I'm in the bathroom washing my hands, I'll, I'll look into my own eyes in the mirror and I'll kind of say it out loud or kind of say it in my head and just nod to myself and be like, yes, you really are okay. (laughs) So play with this, play with this, see what happens. I want to know about it too. So if you have been playing with saying what you most need to hear and you want to share your insights or questions, remember this podcast has an email, lovesignalspodcast at gmail.com. That's lovesignals, plural, podcast at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. Seriously, it would mean the world to me. Um, I think that's it. I think we did it. To sum up, we talked about the power of saying what you need to hear and how filling up on love from ourselves starts to naturally, organically, at least in my experience, overflow into the world around us, leaving us with this experience of love being all around. We also discussed the the merit and the value of remembering that and forgetting it and how perhaps that's a form of titration of of being gentle with integrating these deeper truths. And I've invited you all to really play with this phrase and this, this prompt. Really, it's not a phrase. It's a prompt. Say what you most need to hear. I'm wishing you all the best. I hope that wherever you are, whatever day it is, whatever season it is, that this podcast finds you and fills you with a sense of well-being. May you be well. There's so much love here for you. I can't wait to continue on this journey next week.